0: everybody. Here we are again. Praise the Lord, eh? Amen. We should be jumping up and down shouting amen. Hallelujah. Yes, we should. And welcome to those, if anybody's looking in on this broadcast, just uh, nice to have you. Uh, We're going to look at something different this morning. We're just uh, leaving our study of end times things. We're up to Matthew 24, looking at at the, uh, the 70th week, but we're just putting that on the hold just for uh, another week. And we're going to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a topic that came up and has come up fairly recently. Uh, so we're going to have a look at this this morning. We're going to look at the subject of grace. And you'll notice that uh, we sang Amazing Grace this morning. And uh, you'll notice in the bulletin there's. Uh, uh, Verses about grace and such. So, we're going to have a look at it and have a look at some things about it. We're not going to be able to exhaust the subject, that's for sure, but we are going to just have a look at just some of the very uh, basic things about grace, what it is and what it does, and, and so on and so forth. What we're going to do right now is have a word of prayer and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, again, we thank you, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this topic, Lord, of grace. We thank you for your grace, your grace upon the believer and upon any that will trust and believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, help us to understand these things we look at today. Lord, help me that with this message, put it together that be easy to understand. We just thank you for your for your grace. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. So we're in Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve in our verses, verse 9, so we're going to read uh, the uh, first 10 verses here. And uh, why don't we read together, we haven't done that for a while, would that be alright? Let, let record that okay? Oh yeah? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10, let's read it together. Uh, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up unto paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Now this is one of those portions of Scripture that is kind of difficult, maybe not to understand, but to put into practice. And we'll just look at some of that as we go along here. Let's just go back up and just do a quick run through what's taking place here so we get the background of what's taking place the Apostle Paul. It tells us that, if, he says, 14 years ago I knew a man in heaven itself. So what happened 14 years prior? If you go in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it was, I think it was Lystra they were in. I think it was. And one of those places there. And he was stoned unto death. He says that he it was in death's often. You say, well, how could this be? this is what it says, mm-hmm. 14 years ago that was him, he was stoned, where did he find himself? his body died, and where was he? his spirit was where? in heaven, mm-hmm. he was present with the Lord, he saw some things in heaven and the Lord uh, let him see and hear uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, um, things about heaven and so that he would not be lifted up, that people would not worship him, kind of thing, you know, people think him above of what he is and that's what happens today, doesn't it? People in, a, in a, a prominent positions get really elevated and almost, almost worshiped, you know? And he said, we, we can't have that. And God says, we can't have that. So God gave him, uh, the Apostle Paul, a, uh, a problem. And it was eyesight. He says several times in the Bible, he, he said one time, he said, I forget who it was too, he says that you would, you would have given your eyes to me. Showing us that, yes, he had a problem with his eyes and uh, he said at one point see how much I've written with my own hand And they, they were getting somewhat better Luke the physician was with him for a lot you know because probably for that very thing God says you're gonna have an eye problem uh, if somebody says uh, you, you know what the apostle Paul saw you know the things that he saw and they would say he didn't look, look at them. he can't see anything hardly you know God says you're not, just so you don't glory so there cannot be this glory He says, I I, um, had the messenger of Satan authority in the flesh. Boy, you know, there's there's a lot of teaching here. There's a lot of stuff for us, but we're not gonna delve into that. So he asked the Lord three times, please take this away. Take it away, take it away three times. We don't know if it was, you know, one day and the next day and the next day or whatever it was. But then uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. So we're gonna have a look at verse nine and some things about it. the first mention of grace in the Bible is Genesis chapter 6, where it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, That's the first mention of it. And I think it's mentioned something like 20-some times or 30-something in the Old Testament. And grace is mentioned 128 times I think it is, in the New Testament. And the book of the New Testament that has mentioned most is Romans. I think it's 22 times, something like that. Okay. Uh, grace. is an important, important subject. Uh, Romans chapter five verse two says and it talks about us accessing the grace wherein we stand. And uh, James chapter four verse six says he gives more grace. So we we'll just look at that word for a minute. The word grace. The word uh, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but it's uh, uh, spelled C H A R I S, charis perhaps. Now, what came to my mind immediately was, in the English, do we have a word charity? maybe linked to that somehow I don't know, but this is that word disgrace, and define and we call it a uh, a uh, 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 good will, good will uh, or divine favor you know that kind of thing that's uh, God gives to us that we don't deserve undeserved or unmerited favor from God okay and that's what we usually say about it and I was doing some reading and looking at this word. And such, and I found this in the definition, and uh, one of the fellows says that it comes from a very, very, very old word. Don't ask me to say it or anything. It means to ward off danger. So we think of unmerited favor, and it is unmerited favor, but it also has an idea, and came from a word that means to to ward off danger. God's grace wards off the danger in our lives and brings something else, doesn't it? And we're going to see what, what else it brings in us. So we see, um, we look at grace. We know that if you have in a church, for instance, uh, that has rules and stuff. I and mean, you we know, there are some churches where you have to sign a paper saying, I won't do this, and, I won't do this, and, I won't do this, and, you know. Okay, go and sign it if you want, you know, but you know what you're going to do? You're going to, at some point in time, you're going to end up being a hypocrite because you'll do those things that you, that you said you wouldn't do, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, grace and law don't mix. Mm. Don't mix. Now that people try to keep the Ten Commandments. You will find that they will falter and they will fall. The church will fall. The whole thing will come to nothing. If you have rules and regulations and such and such. That's what the Pharisees did. They didn't know anything about grace. They knew a lot about laws and rules and stuff. So. Now God's law is good and it's proper, uh, but uh, you don't you don't mix it with grace. What is grace? Grace is the power of God. It tells us tells us right here mm-hmm. that uh, um, that it is the power of God. It's something that God gives. us something that God does. Something that God brings to us. It's a power. Uh, that at the end of verse 9, I I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's talking about grace, And again, uh, uh, we've we've just mentioned to cause a favorable regard, or getting something we don't deserve. What it does? Well, the first thing we think of uh, is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For ye are saved by grace by grace, grace alone, not not yourselves, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The apostle Paul was not to boast on these things that he saw. People are not to boast on works. Every religion out there, every cult and ism and religion, we've said this a hundred times, we'll say it a hundred times more, everything upon this earth except one system, if I can say it that way. Everything is works-based. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, God just said it's of grace. Not of works, unless you should boast. You boasters out there that are that are uh, uh, trying to work your way to heaven, and you're leading people to hell is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We jumping up and down, and shouting mm-hmm. hallelujah. Okay, we really should. We should try that sometime. That would be good for us. <laughs> there we go. Anyways, you are saved by grace. Saved by grace, we are kept by grace. By grace my God I'll see. We have a psalm, don't we? Just like that. Yeah. It brings joy. <laughs> uh, and I put down on the page. It brings repentance. Well, how do you get that? Well, the goodness of God leads us to repentance, doesn't it? And in that goodness of God just is just His grace, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It helps us in our response and relationship with other people, too if we had to get a good understanding of it how god deals with us and how that he wants us to access this grace where we stand to look to him for everything and just receive this grace and so on and so forth then we will act like that towards others we won't have church splits we won't have the uh, getting the back up you know all those things okay it'll help us with relationships with others i like to say that grace gives room for growth grace gives room for that other person to grow you know we're not all in the same place spiritually perhaps or or whatever Uh, uh, some of us are maybe slower learners, some get it quicker or just sometimes we're just different than the next guy, you know what I mean? it takes takes grace for us to just be here together because we're all different And grace gives room for the next guy to make his way through with the Lord and walk his walk and and stumble and fall and get up again. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as you and me or anything. Grace gives us room. Say, brother, let me help you. Or, brother, can you help me? It's not the clicks and stuff. That's, That's not good stuff. What grace does, grace gives room for people to grow. Where there's law keeping, people are restricted. Okay. And there's an interesting quote I want to read to you about the law. Now, regarding the law, we talk about the Ten Commandments, and uh, people say that, oh, we've got to keep those. Well, how come it says in 1 Timothy 1.9, it says, the law is not for the righteous. Did you hear that word, not? What does that mean? That means no. <laughs> it's not for you. It's not for the righteous. The law is not for the righteous, then there's a whole list of, of uh, the lawlessness, disobedient sinners, and so on and so forth. Because the law, the Ten Commandments, shows sin, shows you that there's a problem, shows you that there's something wrong. Here's a little quote by I don't even know who it was by, it says, by the law, people are taught their inability to yield complete obedience to God, because of their sin. That thereby they may become convinced of their need for the Savior. Okay, the law shows you the Savior, brings you to Christ. Okay? That's what it does. We want to. Um, we want to just have a look at this verse, just very simply here. I'm going to just break it down. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's verse nine. We're going to look at five things here in this this verse. And uh, uh, one of the ways to study your Bible, or if you're going to make a message or whatever, you just take, take the, the statements as they come, and the little topics as they come, and break it down. For instance, the first one he says, and he said unto me. You just stop and, for a minute and think of that. Here's the Apostle Paul, and who said unto him? God said something. Was it the Lord Jesus himself? It was God Almighty that spoke to him. Isn't that something? He heard God's voice speaking to him. Wouldn't that be an amazing, wonderful thing if we could hear God's voice? How many would want that? Sure, everybody would. Well, you've got it. Read your Bible and God will speak to you from it. Mm -hmm. We don't need to hear the audible voice. We don't need to see miracles and stuff like that. He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Your sword first, okay? the Word of God first. He does speak to us and we should memorize scripture and have it in there for us for the Spirit of God to use and bring up and He guides us and directs us and so on and so forth. Some people say that we go, we have one song about uh, uh, what you hear is rustling in the grass or something, I don't forget how it goes. It reminds me of people that go out and they hug trees and worship trees and I hear God everywhere. No, you get in your Bible, okay? First and foremost, the scriptures, okay? You want to hear God's Voice And He said unto me, Do you hear God leading you? Do you understand God directing you in your life? We have to be still at, 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 at times, folks. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to have that time of prayer, and a quiet time to hear what? That quiet, still voice of God. Turn off the radio. Turn off whatever it is find a quiet place just you and the Lord and the scriptures and you know what you're going to hear? He's going to speak to you and it's just as clear as clear. Just as clear as clear. I remember one time, I think I've told you this before, probably I've told you everything I know before <laughs> every story. Uh, one time I had to visit a guy in the hospital and uh, I, I went up to see him and uh, I forget what has happened. It doesn't matter what the reason was I think it was, why didn't the guy that was there was a disagreement at a house and there was a, some, somebody pulled a gun, the guy got shot and he was in the hospital. In anyways, he was not in good shape and I went in and tried to share the gospel with him and that and he had a, his, his girlfriend or his wife, I forget was there. and she asked me if I would do the service because he was going to die. And, uh, and some of the family members found out that they didn't like they didn't want me to be there and the guy, even the open we're in, uh, in the hospital there and he just went up one side of me down the other and told me off about things and I just kind of stood there on my way home I said Lord you know what I am not doing that funeral. I'm not going to do it. That you, you saw what that man did. You saw and you heard what he said to me you know it just humiliated me and he made me feel just like a little child. I'm not I'm not doing it. Did you ever say to the Lord I'm not doing something? <laughs> Try it sometime. So I got back to my study, and I opened the Bible, and I just started reading Jeremiah uh, earlier, just around that time. So I continued on reading, and it says, uh, Say not that thou art a child, thou shalt go to whomsoever I will send thee. Be not afraid of their faces, I am with thee to deliver thee. <laughs> I says, okay, Lord, let's go. We'll give them both barrels of that funeral. We did. And we did. Guess who sat in the front row? Uh, that guy in that family. And they got both barrels of the Gospel. But that was all you could do. Amen. I mean that's what you do. Get the Gospel up to people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, He said unto me, you will hear the Lord speak to you <laughs> from the Scriptures. But we have a thing here, He said unto me, when there's fellowship, there's communion with the Lord. A very important thing. A very important thing. And it's up to us, each one, to maintain that. It's up to you to maintain your fellowship with the Lord and with the believers. We don't have membership in the church, we have fellowship. Membership's a thing that man has added to it. Another thing will come along and bite you sometime. The Bible says we have fellowship with one another and with the Lord. And the only thing that stops that is sin. It doesn't mean you're cast aside, but the Lord says, we've got a problem here, we need to get that fixed. Okay? But we see the Lord's attention to one person. The Apostle Paul at at that time, but even today, the Lord pays attention to you, to to me, to every believer and, and, and we should understand that and want to bring him into every aspect of our lives. But what a thing, eh? The God of the universe who made all things is interested in me, interested in you. He cares for us more than what a parent does for their children. You love your children. And you can't explain it, and it's so strong. God has a greater love and care for us. Mm-hmm. And he said unto me, the Lord's attention. And it was an answer to the Apostle's request. He said, I'd like you to take this thorn out of my flesh, and this messenger of Satan, and three times. And the Lord said, he answered him. And sometimes answer is no. I know better what's good for you. Okay. That brings us to the next point. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. That word sufficient, it's enough. There's contentment there. Just look to that. There's nothing else required. Let me stop and think about that for a minute. What do we think uh, we need in our lives. What we think needs to be done. And often in our prayers, we want, oh Lord, could you do, fix this and fix this and give me this? And I wonder what God wants. His ways are far above our ways, aren't they? Yeah. There's nothing else required. Grace is sufficient in the situation is sufficient. Uh, this morning, the Lord was in his teaching And maybe not for everybody else, but he's sure teaching me something. And uh, we are disappointed that uh, something didn't happen, somebody didn't show up. And the Lord says, well, just look at it from my standpoint. He sees and he knows what's going on. He knows all about it. Perhaps it'll just work out down the road. But maybe, he says, maybe, just maybe, I'm trying to teach you something. That you just need to rely on my grace. And don't worry about it, just leave it with me, and that's a life changer, that will change our lives, and that's hard to do, isn't it, sometimes, but we must learn that, we must, and we live in that, okay, my grace is sufficient, God's ways are not our ways, they're way above our ways, we don't like this, or don't like that, he says, just, just take it easy, that my grace just be sufficient to you. We had, uh, um, Robin and I were talking about this uh, a few days ago. I guess it was Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. We didn't have prayer meeting here. We had permitting at our own houses. And when my brother Stephen died, that was a horrible thing for us. It was a terrible thing. We kind of, not that we raised him, but from a little kid. You know, my dad died when Stephen was just eight. We always had him with us, it seems. Eh? He was like, it was like our little boy who grew up to be our big boy. And then he died in a car accident. And there's the funeral. And we we um, were standing in the hallway, I think it was, at the funeral home. And way down the end of the big room, there's that casket. And we looked at each other and said, we can't do this. I can't do this. I can't go in there. I can't do this. And we prayed and asked the Lord. And the grace of God came upon came upon us. And we stood there, and i told you before, and hundreds and hundreds of people came in. And we shared the gospel with every one of them. Every one of them told them that Stephen knew the Lord, he's with the Lord, and, and your, your responsibility for you to trust in Christ, and so on and so forth. And that was the grace of God. We, we want to just run home, just run away. I can't do this, I can't, I can't. Yeah, God gives us the strength. My grace is sufficient for you. You're going through something right now. If you're not, you will be. We all, we're either in something, going into something, or coming out of something, some trial or whatever and God's grace is sufficient. Nothing else is required. God's ways are far above ours, but look what he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Comes right back to that personal thing again. We know that in our Bibles when you see a thee, it's second person singular. He's talking to one person. He was speaking right to the Apostle Paul himself. So we can take that as application for ourselves and see that God does care for each individual and he deals with us, each one. He deals with Thee, all right? Yes, He does. For, my grace is sufficient for Thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I put it down here. Uh, my strength is made perfect in Your weakness. God's saying that. This is what He's saying. My grace is sufficient because my strength. We read in Nehemiah chapter... I think it's chapter eight, verse ten. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Something like that. And that's the same thing that we're reading here. The joy of God, that contentness, contentment, that uh, that sufficiency of God's presence. Knowing that He can look after the thing. He'll 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 do it. He'll, he can. He understands the situation, and we just leave it with Him. And that's what we're supposed to do. To look to Him. I don't understand it all, but Lord, I, I want to trust you. Just help me access that grace where you and I stand. Um, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Grace is your strength. Grace is the power of Christ. Grace is the power of God. And find that fact that grace is received both from God the Father, and if you're writing things down, you should be, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12 and from Jesus Christ Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 and Romans 5:18. Grace comes from God Almighty You know what that is? That's another proof of the deity of Jesus Christ The grace that comes from God and it says grace is from Christ Okay? Yeah? Just throw that one in for free My strength is made perfect in your weakness So the Apostle's uh, response to this The Lord says No, I'm not going to take that away from you Whoa, what, what happens if you know, a little child is, has something going on, they have a particular thing that might hurt them? I remember when I was a little toddler. I remember, funny way, I remember things like when I was like three years old. That was a long time ago when I was three years old when it was. I can't remember like what I had for breakfast sometimes. I remember those things. I remember I had this uh, little, uh, uh, it was a car, it was a tin one, this was back in the 50s, and I remember something about the door or something and it cut my finger and I still have a scar here and it cut a great big chunk in there. Boy, did I ever holler, scream and wail and the blood was flowing. And uh, Sometimes children shouldn't play with certain things, eh? So the parent takes it away because it might hurt them. And they'll scream and holler and this and that and sometimes the Lord says to us, no, this is not going to be like that. I have a different plan. And what we sometimes, we scream and holler like little kids. Rather, we should say, well, God knows best. As one fellow said during the uh, problems of the past few years, we're to stop living as though Christ was dead, as though there is no God. There is, God is. He's alive, and He's real, and He lives in there, and He's above everything, and He wants to. <coughs> Help us in everything. He wants us just to look to Him, as a child does to their father. Amen. With, for everything, absolutely everything. So the response of the the Apostle Paul was, uh, he hears, for my stre- strength is made perfect in your weakness." Uh, most gladly, therefore, gladly that just a joy, I will rather glory in my infirmities and my weaknesses. Well, that's a tough one, eh? Uh, there's a fellow that had learned so whatever state he was in there with to be content. Sometimes it takes us a long time. Sometimes we don't really even get that. When you stop and think about this and you start in, and spend some time with this thing, this is important, this is basic stuff, but it's huge to glory in our infirmities when things go wrong. What about when things go right? Well, we, we don't need anybody then, eh? Yeah, we do. We need to give thanks to the Lord always. But most gladly, yeah, people don't show up sometimes. People don't do things uh, that they say they're going to do. We all do that. And sometimes we disappoint people and whatever. But we, okay, okay, Lord, you know all about it. Let's just carry on, okay? So what have you got in your life right now that you can say, Lord, you know all about this. Will you help me through this? He says, I sure will. You have my grace. The Apostle's response, um, uh, to consider our uh, uh, we consider our responses to difficulties, and we do need to learn this thing. He says, most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities. And the fifth point is, that the power of Christ, wait a minute, most gladly will I rather glory. Now the word glory there means to boast in it. This is the thing I boast in, the thing of God, had, you know. I joyfully boast, or I gladly glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That the power of Christ may rest. Now that word rest right there is an interesting word. Let's just get this one. We're almost done. Hang on. This word rest right there means to fix something upon. It actually meant to fix a tent upon something. Okay? As if the Shekinah glory of God, it was that tent just over. Picture yourself, there's you. And you're a believer, you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, and you're one of God's children. And over you is that tent. That Shekinah glory of God is over you. And not only that, in Romans chapter 5 it says something to the effect that we can and we should and we are to access the grace wherein we stand. We stand up to our knees, up to our hips, maybe up to here, I don't know, in the grace of God. It's there for us. Years ago when I first read that, well maybe that was the first time, but I don't know, I read it and I thought immediately of a man standing in a, a stream of water, a cool, cool, pure, mountain stream and he's thirsty what's he going to do there it is he's standing access the grace wherein you stand drink it in and not only do we stand in it it says here that rest means that it's a covering over top of us isn't that amazing isn't that amazing and how little how little we access this And it's not necessarily our first response, our first responder. Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but oftentimes my first response is, is, you know what I think about that? (laughs) And God says, yeah, okay, well, get over that. Get over yourself. And you think about this. You think about me, you think about my grace. And you leave it with me. For my grace is sufficient. We're going to get down to uh, uh, just one more little item before we finish up. We mentioned earlier Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We just simply want to mention the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ the grace of God brings us and allows us, uh, how would you put that? Uh, You put your trust, put your belief, put your acceptance, put your faith in Jesus Christ, He's the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, God who took on the human form for the express purpose of being nailed to a cross that He may die on that cross shed His lifeblood, Acts chapter 27 is the blood of God Why? Because he loves us and he cares for everybody in the world and he's not willing that any should perish. And if you're not saved, he cares for you and he loves you. And he wants you to be saved. And he did everything that's possible, everything that could be done, everything to appease God, so to speak. And he was on that cross and he gave his life, and he died on that cross, and he buried him in the tomb, and he rose from the dead on the third day. And if you will accept him, if you will uh, trust him for who he says he is and what he has done, that he has defeated death, he's defeated sin, and God just simply holds out his hand and says, Will you accept my son, Jesus Christ? And by my grace I will save you. You put faith in him. Amazing thing. Well, we can't really exhaust the topic in half an hour or whatever it is, but grace is a tremendous, tremendous thing, and it is a uh, it is a uh, game changer. It's a life changer when we get to look into the Lord and uh, uh, looking um, to Him for all things. Um, the Lord's still working on me. I, I know He's still working on you. He's still working on all of us. He's never going to be done with us. But the Lord's, uh, He showed me something just recently. Well, I probably it's been like every day for the last 33 years or whatever. <laughs> One thing at a time. He says, don't get all worked up, I don't know about you, but I think about things, I think about this and then i got about six other things on my mind, okay, this affects this, and just stop for a minute, he says, but seek ye first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's grace, mm-hmm. that's just standing there, Lord, take it. So what do you got this morning, what have you got right now to give to the Lord, besides yourself? That thing, or those things, or whatever, Lord, help me in this. Lord, help me with my uh, lack of understanding in this or how to apply it. I want to live for you. I want to honor you, Lord. I want to exalt you in all things. Thank you for your grace. It's amazing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace to us, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for the scriptures. We could read them and we could study and we could learn things and be reminded, Lord, We just pray you'd help us that we'd bring uh, glory and honor to you in all things and always. And thank you, Lord, that we are saved by grace, that we are kept by grace. And by grace, my God, I'll see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thanks for your attention, folks. Lord bless you, and we'll see you next week. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Thank you.